if we keep the books clean and we do those reviews and we put things in place to automate, the tax return should be a breeze as well. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. I'm David Leary. I'm David DiNardo. And I'm Valerie Hackman. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Valerie and David. So for this interview, I'm going to use Leary, I guess. I, I will not be David for this interview. Is this correct, Blake? Yes. Leary, okay. Leary it is. Leary. And maybe okay. going forward. And going forward, possibly. Okay. So we are at day three of QuickBooks Connect. It's uh, after the big party the night before. We're up right and early. We ran a contest this week and we have our guest host. So one guest host was not in the contest. Who's Valerie? Valerie, you're with Intuit. Do you want to just give a little quick background on who you are? Absolutely. I, I'm with Intuit QuickBooks and I'm a senior product consultant for QuickBooks Online. What does that mean? That means that I help accountants get more comfortable using QuickBooks Online and showing them all the exciting things that it can do as they start their journey to the cloud. Perfect. And you're based in Chicago? I am based in Chicago, yes. But you go all over the place? I do, I do. I, I carry a bag and I'm on the road most of the, most of the year. Awesome. We have to go fast today because you have a flight to catch, right? I do, yes. Got it. <laughs> and David DiNardo, we ran a contest this week. We wanted to give one of our loyal listeners a chance to be on the podcast and guest host. And you wrote like a big, lo- you, you were on Twitter. You kind of came in from the side. Twitter, there's a lot of people talking about, I want to host, I want to co-host, I want to co-host. And thank all of you for trying to get on there. David wrote this great post on LinkedIn and Facebook and his friends and family commented on it. He'd be a great guest host. And what, what caught my eye is like, A, you're a young millennial, started a cloud accounting firm right. and you're, you're 35 fully remote employees. And it's one of the fastest growing firms in Canada. What's the firm name? So I own uh, Involta Cloud Accounting located in Ottawa, Canada, and um, we specialize in really the cloud accounting world. So we started in 2014, and we've grown the business exponentially in the last five years to uh, the fastest growing business in Ottawa two years in a row. Like fastest growing business period or? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So top 10 in Ottawa mm-hmm. for two years in a row. Very impressive. And Ottawa is the capital of Canada. So it's, there's a lot of major businesses there. And then we won fastest growing business. We came 51st in Canada for a three year trend. So we are just, you know, leveraging the technology and growing it. And what's your headcount? So we're at 35 people. We're hiring 10 more people by January. So we're we're just landing the contracts and keep on going. Nice. And I'm assuming you jumped straight into cloud from day one. We we started on some desktop, but the vision, we started five years ago and um, the cloud apps weren't there yet. So um, we definitely adopted to uh, QuickBooks Online first. And um, and now everyone's on QuickBooks Online. We have an app stack, and uh, all of our all of our employees work remotely across Canada. So I think this is going to be our regular news episode. Yeah, because we've been here. We've been doing interviews, interviews, interviews. But we, there's news. News happened. Yeah. News happened here this week at QuickBooks Connect, and news has happened outside of QuickBooks Connect. Believe it or not, there's a world happening of, of accounting news that still happens. So yeah, let's let's talk about uh, what is new from QuickBooks and from Intuit. And we're lucky to have Valerie Heckman here to help us uh, get the overview. So Yeah, um, yeah. So it has been an exciting week at QuickBooks Connect. There have been so many different pieces of news across the board. Um, many things shared on the main stage on Accountant Day with Arij. And I'll, I'll go through some of that. And then there was also a lot of news in the booths, right? This year we had a lot of the new innovations being really showcased in the booth so that you can come and see a bit of a presentation around it. So our friend of the show, Ranika Aerosmith, wrote a great article on Accounting Today kind of summing up three of the main key announcements that we heard from Arij on, I think it was day one, the accountant day. 
Uh, and the first one that caught my eye, and I think I saw tons of tweets about this, was the Optimization Center. And we got a peek of that. It will actually score your clients and show you how effectively you've set them up based on, I think it was like, what, bank rules, whether you've got those in place. Yes, yes. Um, so we're actually um, showing you an objective measure of how efficiently each client is set up and then also recommendations to improve. So it has to do with how many times a transaction is touched or interacted with in QuickBooks Online, which is super exciting. David, like, so you obviously have a firm. Like, how do you know when you have all your clients that you're handling one client super efficiency and all your clients are being handled efficiently? Do you have any way to measure that right now internally or is, are you really excited about a tool like this? A tool would be amazing. We're doing it a, a lot manually right now, um, but it's all part of the onboarding process. That's where it defines everything setting the tone with the client at the beginning, setting them up properly, and then doing the ongoing work. If you don't have a process, you won't be able to do any of these KPIs or anything um, in order to measure it, right? And then you become more reactive rather than the proactiveness. Yeah, I, I can see how they, it's great. If they're going to open this up to pro advisors, if you don't have any processes, right, you're going to run this tool and like three of your clients are going to be like 90% efficient and your other ones are like 22% efficient. And if you don't have any processes, you'll never know why those three are that efficient. Exactly, exactly. So we're saying how can we help the accounting professionals really get their arms around what that looks like and how they can improve it. Um, one of the things I really thought was cool with that is that you can uh, create those bank rules from there and then copy them to other clients within yes. QuickBooks Online without having to do an export import to Excel. It's going to be really easy to go through a workflow and uh, standardize across clients if you want to. Are you excited about that? Yeah, very excited. <laughs> I think that's great. And, and it's sophisticated. It's not just let's copy all the rules from this one client to another. You can pick which rules specifically you want. Which, which means right. you could almost create a fake QuickBooks Online company and almost have like a template of rules yeah. that you put, you, you copy over to every one of your clients because it's pointless. Right now there's 150,000 QuickBooks Pro Advisors and every one of them is individually created a rule to code Starbucks to Meals and Entertainment. Sure. But, like, but what's going to be exciting is if you niche your clients out into different industries and you master one of those yes. niches, then you can roll it across all your clients in a very streamlined range. And I've actually seen that happen with the rules today. So right. I was working with a firm in Seattle that they have real estate clients and every one of them goes to FedEx and goes to the same gas stations and goes here and there and has all these very similar expenses. And then even the income coming in from certain places is pretty standard. And so they create a standard set of rules that they upload every time they have a new client. And we're just making that easier to do because you don't have to go into Excel and, and deal with the important mapping and all those things. Yeah, rule standards are the new like chart of account standards. So that's all about getting the data in efficiently right? The most effective way to do that as possible. And second on the list of features was what happens after that, right? Yes. How, do we, how do we actually close the books? And that was called bookkeeping review. So as I understand it, it's like a really cool checklist integrated into the product. Like, yes. is that, am I describing it right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a checklist and more. So the idea here is that QuickBooks is going to automatically find errors and surface mistakes for quicker resolution, of course. And then also enable you to say, hey, if this particular client has certain things that we need to look at closely, I can create my own kind of checklist around them and, and keep an eye on things. So we surface all sorts of things that might need attention, right? So if there's, I don't know, things that don't have vendor names, transactions without pays and, and things like that, we may give you that bump of, hey, take a look at this more closely. And then what I think is really awesome is we've already started doing this. So there is the bookkeeping overview in QuickBooks Online today, but we've gotten so much feedback from our professionals that we are building out even more kind of smart scanning things that it can surface more, uh, more items that might need attention. 
So I love this, right? Um, we're actually presenting, my chief operating officer, Victoria, is presenting in QBO Connect on quality control. We do year ends every month, okay? So our data, we, we send out reports by the 15th of the following month. If your books are cleaned, so we have a, an internal checklist, right? The fact that that's going external to everyone, that's very important. And when we talk about real-time accounting, this is the real-time accounting. Make sure the books are clean before you go to the next month and not carry over any slack from month to month. And when you say you're doing a year-end close, you mean like a hard close yes. every month, not this soft close of, well, it's reconciled, but is it? We have that checklist, that yeah. quality checklist that we go through, the balance sheet, the, you know, the whole nine yards, and we actually lock the books after the month so that the user doesn't go in yep. there and mess things up or anything. This is what separates yes. the firms that are doing good workflow, right. right? Like from the ones who aren't because you're saving yourself so much time and, and eliminating the possibility of errors later down the road. And because right? that's technical and, debt. You're, it's debt you're carrying forward yeah. and eventually you're going to have to pay that debt and it might be a lot of time at the end of the year. Yeah, for, to put the software, that's the software term, right? Technical debt is... <laughs> is sure. Uh, you know, messy code, right? Right, that you end up paying for later when you have to fix it. And guess what happens? You do the year end, yeah. right? You're fixing all the problems throughout the year. The year end takes no time, right. and it's clean, and you're just ready to automate the attacks now. Do you guys right. do tax too? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so why should we have to file extensions every year for clients? If we keep the books clean and we do those reviews and we put the things in place to automate, the tax return should be a breeze as well. You could theoretically it, start on that like the first week in, in January. Absolutely. Right? Once the banks are reconciled the last month, you could do the tax yeah. return and start doing tax planning and now that advisory piece comes in place. Exactly, because you have the time now. Yeah, exactly. You have the time now. And I was talking to somebody at the conference that said it used to take six hours or more per client to get things ready for the tax return. And of course, if we have that across all of our clients, we have to file extensions to gain that time. And now they're like, you know, it's like an hour because we've been keeping the books up to speed and we're not looking back at what happened. We're working in as real, real time as possible. So the third big feature announcement on the main stage was the business performance overview. Yeah. And... It's interesting. This is one that I'm actually the most skeptical of personally because I come from the zero world, right? That's where I started in the cloud. And zero tried to do a business performance overview tab. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that, but nobody uses it. At least nobody I know actually uses it. So let's talk about what it is. And then I don't know, David, you can give us your perspective. Yeah. So it is a tool that's going to show some key metrics and uh, trends and industry comparisons, right? So we have our ecosystem, data from over 4 million small businesses, and we really want to help accountants have a better understanding of their clients and relationship to each other and help um, drive an impact with that and give you tools that you can use to, hey, look and see how the business is doing as you prepare for those advisory conversations. It's funny because, Blake, I remember like six months ago, you were like, why doesn't Intuit just do this? Why don't they just have benchmarks built in the product? It's so obvious. They have the data and now right. they've done it. But then just we, for you, Blake, they added this feature. <laughs> so that's the thing is you get these like charts of KPIs trending over time. That's really cool from the QuickBooks data of your client. And then you also get a, we're going to get benchmarks. So you'll be able to see, okay, what is an appropriate gross margin for a business with 10 to 50 employees also in the restaurant space. Like that's the idea as I understand it, which I think we've talked about, uh, maybe it was you and I, David, maybe it was with a guest, but like 
this question in my mind as to like, can I trust that data? Like, how do I know right. those books are clean? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, if I'm going to use benchmarking data, I want to know where it came from. I don't know. But I think it's really cool. It's, there's a lot of potential, but I think also... But, but in, in theory, if you think about layering this, right, the efficiency of the data entry in, you have the, the closing the book checklist, yeah. right? There's going to be a score where Intuit eventually will be able to, for the benchmarks, the only companies that will be included that are people that are at some X score. Like we, we have confidence that the data is good. Cause as long as that is happening, yeah. right? As yeah. long as there yeah. is some yeah. sort of like confidence uh, ratio that is being used to rank the, the data, right? Yeah, because the other eight plumber businesses I'm being compared to in my zip code may, they're only putting invoices in, they don't put any of their expenses in. And what if they don't have David DiNardo's firm closing the books every month? And I I think the main thing is (laughs) the third party apps, right? You know, you have the spotlights, the fathoms, all the the giraffes out there doing this, right? In in some context that I would rather, and talk about skeptical, I'd rather leverage an app to be integrated specific for what I'm looking for than that generalized data that I don't know if I can, like what's the data count? What's the metric around it? Like there's all these questions behind it. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by OnPay. Many times when choosing a payroll service, you have to choose between a new startup with a great app or an established company whose tech may feel a little behind the times. With OnPay, you get the best of both worlds. A great app from an established company that's providing payroll for over 30 years in all 50 states. OnPay is an easy to use full service payroll with simple straightforward pricing and includes all their features. Employee self onboarding, HR tools, health insurance, workers comp tracking and 401k. And with an accountant's dashboard and partner program combined with best in class integrations with Zero and QuickBooks, OnPay is the right fit for all your clients whether they have just one or 500 employees. They also handle all the complicated stuff that other payroll providers don't, like agricultural payrolls, including Form 943, multi-state payrolls, and employees with H-2A visas. I'm really excited to tell you that OnPay is offering an exclusive promo code only for the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast to get three free months of OnPay payroll service for any of your clients that you set up by February of 2020. Head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash onpay. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash O-N-P-A-Y. And use code CAP3FREE when you sign up your clients. That is C-A-P, the number three, F-R-E-E. And to be clear, you cannot get this promo anywhere else. It's only available to the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Well, this is, I guess this fits a trend, um, that um, Leary and I, I'm going to say Leary so we don't get confused. <laughs> okay. it's me. Leary and I have uh, talked about, uh, which is, the, you know, the GL providers, right? The QuickBooks uh, apps of the world are becoming very broad. Right. And building, you know, features like that where, you know, as soon as uh, QuickBooks came out with receipt scanning, my question was, what's going to happen to all these OCR apps? Right. right. Sure. But, but then there's always a use case where they're not going to cover it, right? Because the receipt right. scanning will be simple yes. in like a QuickBooks and will fit the needs of those people who don't need a specialized tool. And maybe this will be the same way, right? And that's exactly like it, it depends on your clients, but I want that content behind it to deliver that advisory services. Yeah. I don't want to generalize anymore, right? I think when you're starting out, it's great for that business owner. But once you start growing a business and you start wanting to deliver that key advisory stuff, then you need that 
that, yeah. that specific content. And my hope is that us having it, and this is my opinion, right? Uh, my hope is that us having that really gives people a taste of what it could look like to use a tool that's even more powerful that, you know, okay, this is what's included in my QuickBooks Online, but if I look at one of these other apps, it's going to put that on yep. steroids, right? And, and give me capabilities beyond what's here, but at least what's here will help me get that get started. conversation started. But could actually grow the market for those kind of apps, right? In that people get a taste of it and then they want more. Right. And, and you know, the bookkeeping review is almost the same way. Like we've got the Jetpack workflows, the Arrow Carbon, throwing carbon. Carbon, yeah, yeah, carbon for sure. <laughs> and um, like, so people will start doing the checklist thing for the first time and then they'll say, okay, what else do I need maybe when I'm when I'm ready to get something more robust? Well, it's just like but, good enough, right? Like, yeah. like you get like the uh, phone apps on iPhone and Android, right? You could take a photo, but then there's all these other apps that would let you do filters and all these other things. And then eventually they put that stuff on the phone and then you never knew you needed those things. And now like, oh, I can do filters. And then it makes you go seek other apps to do crazier filters and meme creators. But, but I, well, think, I think, think that, about the audience. I, I, think, I think that's a drawback too. Yeah. Like if you're starting an accounting firm right now and you walk into the, all these apps, you are overwhelmed. That's right. right? Yeah. And that's very, like I could see a high anxiety around that just walking in and not knowing the direction. And then on top of it, you know, QuickBooks and Xero, whoever are building similar apps or similar functions than a HubDoc, right? Yep. So clients are actually coming to me and be like, I just seen this upload in receipt for QBO, but you've trained me on HubDoc. You know, what's the difference? So now I'm having those... Com- it's interesting that clients are noticing this they are. now. It's not just us talking you know, inside baseball oh, here yeah, on the no. podcast. Like <laughs> clients are noticing, are. oh, there's an app and there's this other app and they have overlapping functionality and they're at, they're questioning their accounts and bookkeepers app. Right, but the the general audience, so the, the folks that aren't lucky enough to have someone like you, they don't even know that OCR stuff exists and then they see it and they say, oh, wow, gosh, I wish that this had uh, the ability for me to do this with expense yeah, uh, reporting and have my employees use this and have more. And you're like, yeah, that exists too. But it's it's an additional thing that not everybody needs that capability. So it's like, how do we take the core of accounting and then take the core of the cool automation tools and build that into QuickBooks Online and still leverage the ecosystem for the Cadillac of a version of some of these things? I love that. Great analogy. So there was other news that happened in the last week or two while we have been in the enclosed world of QuickBooks Connect, which I feel like normally I listen to the news like every day. I watch the news and like I, I have no idea what happened over the last 48 hours. Yeah, like the world could have ended outside of this building and I would not know. So let's let's see if we can talk about some of the news in the accounting world. David, do you have any stories that are... I have a story that's tangent to something um, David said about, you know, being overwhelmed. Right. And uh, it's an article on Financial Times. And the title of the article is Lawyers Next Challenge is Too Much Technology. So it's that there's just too many app choices. How do they know which ones? Because lawyers move slow. And if they're going to build a tech stack and redo their firm, they want to do it for the next 10 years. And there's so many startups, there's so much choice. Like, how do they pick the tech stacks to go forward? And so I, I thought it was a, an interesting article because I feel like it's the same pain accountants and bookkeepers have been having. I think we're getting more comfortable with it in our space. It's not just accountants, right? It's yeah. everybody has app overload. Right? <laughs> I guess that's true. Yes, yes. <laughs> Podcasters. No, I, I read an article about how the tip, a typical business across all of its departments, right? And we're talking like mid-sized, large business, will have... 200 or more applications being used for different things. And can you imagine being that like chief technology officer trying to corral all of these apps and maintain data security and all that stuff? It's crazy. And I think this is a big problem that you can turn into an opportunity, 
right? If I was giving any advice to a business owner, build that app stack and just stick with it and start with one or two, right? Don't try to do four or five at the same time. From a lawyer's perspective, you know, Clio raised 250 million, you know, a couple months ago. And, you know, now when we deal with lawyers, it's, hey, we know Clio. We know it integrates great with QuickBooks Online. If you're not on Clio, we can't take you as a client because we're not trying to learn another app well, in the this article, So there's, there's 1,250 legal technology companies right now building software apps right. for lawyers. Did you like, say 1,250? 1,250. <laughs> and that's just that industry. Now, now you go construction. Now you go like, every restaurant industry. It's, it's insane. Like it's really crazy industry to industry. And then what's interesting too is like what's missing, right? Because I feel like I, so many of my conversations over the last few days, it's that that, oh, I've got to find the app for this and who's doing that amazingly perfect. And so it's how do we piece through all of this and figure out a strategy for, and I'm curious to know from you, how do you go about evaluating multiple legal apps and landing on Clio? Like what does your process in your firm look like? I'll give you a shout out. Go to QBO Connect, right? And then just learn. Like before you start implementing anything, do an analysis of three or four apps what works well for your company and your clients, right? Get your company trained on it. So we have five managers. Anytime I'm doing an app um, analysis, I'm bringing them involved and I'm doing a demo with them and getting the perspective of every single one of employees before we make a decision. Because yeah, they're going to be using the tool. You've got to get the stakeholders buy-in and you or the bil- app's not going to get adopted, right? It'll just be, oh, we've got one or two clients that are using it, but but not at scale. And another thing we do is every month we do a tech session. So we would either bring in an app partner or we would do a demo of a specific app so that the whole company sees it before we implement it. That is so awesome. That's awesome. Do you do it like lunch and learn style? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So I've got some more app news. Yeah. Least Query, were they here at QuickBooks Connect? I'm not sure. We've talked about Least Query in the past. Yes. They do, um, uh, they're an app designed basically around uh, an a- ASC 842 on lease accounting, right? Like, this, it's funny now that FASB issues a, an accounting pronouncement and an app is created, <laughs> or like a dozen. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen. <laughs> turbocharging the ecosystem. Well, uh, Lease Query announced $40 million in Series A funding, so more money pouring into the niche app space. Um, and it was Goldman Sachs Merchant Banking Division that invested $40 million in them. So... So, so I have a question on this. So, like, think about this. Like, because we've seen this, right? There's a, a change in accounting standard, right? And people have to do this. And now an app to solve that problem pops up. What if there's a new uh, political administration and the accounting standards possibly change? I mean, are these apps dead in the water if there's ever a change? Um, I mean, yeah, if, if somebody... But, but here's the thing is the SEC, FASB, they don't go backwards on this stuff, right? <laughs> Generally, okay, okay. it just gets more and more convoluted every year. So, right, I think they're probably okay. Okay, got it, got it. Because <laughs> we've all, think about it, we've all, it's like a sunk cost fallacy, right? Everybody's yeah. invested so much money in adopting the new guidance. If they turned it off, then everybody would be pissed off, right? So I have an article about um, BankFI. So they're a European fintech company. And they, um, they really help banks and they just do modern tech services. So invoicing payments, uh, nudges. I don't even know what a nudge is. It might be um, reminders to pay. Um, cash management and accounting to businesses. So they kinda, they're a software tech play, right? What was interesting in the article, I'm going to scroll down here and read you the quote here. And it, it's really a stake in the ground. And it's this convergence of, we've talked about this, like tech companies are becoming banks. Banks are trying to become accounting software companies, right? And it, so I'll read it 
carefully here, in a foreseeable future, accounting, baking, cash management, treasury management system, and ERPs all use the same date. They probably should say data, but they type date. And this will over time merge into one baking as a platform service, which I thought was a really uh, interesting quote. I don't see that ever happening. All of these different apps are going to actually use the same format. That would be like that'd be like if we all had the same plug for our phone, right? Is that ever going to happen? <laughs> no. Can't get the same plug for our phone. That's true. <laughs> I don't know how this would happen. All right, so, so you're not buying into this convergence. Well, I'm just playing devil's advocate. What's interesting with that is, you know, the complexity of all the different banks and how they all operate so differently and that makes certain things hard to have happen and to standardize when you're trying to accelerate, right? Because you get slowed down by banking and I've seen firms and I had a great conversation this week around, oh, do we tell our clients, hey, not only do you have to use Clio, but you also have to use this bank because we like how they operate and what they do. I'm going to say the opposite. Canada, we're fortunate. We have five We have five major banks. (laughs) So I'm we're able to be even more progressive because we don't have that. We have sixteen over sixteen thousand financial institutions in the US connect with QuickBooks online. And those are the ones that connect. And I have people tell me all the time about how the so-and-so bank doesn't connect. So I'm like, what is the total number? I don't know. But what's interesting to me is that um, I've had some conversations. We didn't talk about this in our our main stage news, but having those statements get fetched in and brought into QuickBooks Online is coming in spring to the U.S. And we're able to roll it out much faster in Canada because there are not as many financial institutions to get those (laughs) statements from. And so that'd be a lot of supplies. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an exciting thing. We're not talking about just the the bank feed data. We're talking the actual PDF. Is that right? Yeah, the statement, the statement. Yeah. So that's one of the things that Arish talked about. The clicking that is just saved to go get those. Because if you think about it, if you have 100 clients and you have to download their bank statement every Every month, month. which you should be doing if you're doing a hard close and filing that away, that's like a five to 10 minute process for every client, assuming that somebody hasn't changed the password and assuming that you even have read-only access. But but the thing is, I think that the moral of this is we're coming into a world where accounts have to be at that problem solver, right? So... My solution would be find the CSV and then do an upload, right, to save the time. So we have to look at that automation in different ways to get that file, right? And that's what the role of our our, our profession's becoming. And then if you think about the where it, from this article, it sounds like the banks are realizing that it's costing them customers if they don't have some sort of future plan to align things and build out platforms in ways that help customers navigate that differently than they have consumers, right? It feels like uh, I heard some comments around Kubernetes Connect yesterday. They're starting to get the vibe that maybe the banks are going to start. You want bank feeds? You got to pay us 15 bucks a month. You want to download statements? Like the banks, they're either going to, the banks want to create their own accounting platforms and keep you in house. Because like, if you're just downloading that, what's well, the value of the bank at this point? You don't the, need them at all. And that's why I think Chase and Bank of America now use Bill.com as their white labeled business payments platform. And they they're, they're, they get you in there and then you they take away the ability to export the data <laughs> right? because once you set up all your bill pay you don't want to change banks right so i've got a little more app news this one's not as positive unfortunately this is a little bit of a downer are you all familiar with canopy yeah so tax software in the cloud which is a very welcome development right there hasn't been a lot a lot of opportunity in that well they were just growing like crazy and we've talked about this on the show leary but it seems like they expanded a little too fast. Canopy founder and CEO Kurt Averell stepped down Thursday as the tax software company laid off 73 employees after already laying off 100 employees 
in March. Chief Revenue Officer Jordan Ray will become the interim CEO. So back in March, 100 employees, that was a third of their whole workforce. So now that's like half of the workforce that's left. And what's crazy about this is that prior to the layoffs, they'd been expanding really rapidly. They were opening this really fancy office in Utah, in Lehigh. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of crazy to think what happened. We don't obviously don't know, but like you're, you, you hire, uh, what, like 300 people, and then suddenly you have to like lay most of them off. How does this happen? So they, yeah, because yeah, they, I think before we covered that, it was a surprise because we've seen Canopy, like even though I tend to be on the business side, I'm not in the tax management side, and, but I've seen them at conferences, you see them growing. I always heard good things about them. And that one day they lit off half their staff. Yeah. And then now CEO's been let go. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Uh, what else do we got this week? Um, an update on my payroll HR. Well, not, not so much my payroll HR, but Cache. So Cache is no longer going to process payroll transactions. So wow. Cache, if people remember Wait, my payroll HR, yeah. Cache was the ACH money movement company. They were the ones that got caught in this whole scam. Well, like they, they, they got caught holding the empty $26 million bag. Right. Like they didn't do the scam. They just right. are the ones that have... have got hammered the most by it. Right. And so they're basically not going to do ACH transfers into their company anymore. If you're an employer using one of these payroll services, the payroll service will need to wire transfer that money to cache. Which is causing tons of trouble, right? They had a bunch of late payrolls with uh, different other payroll providers that are not my payroll HR that use cache suddenly couldn't deliver their payroll on time because they didn't have the means to do these wire transfers. Yeah, they, they weren't set up for it. And so again, yeah. it's, it's, it feels like the with cache, They've been in reaction mode, right? They reacted when they found out that the scam happened and they had to, that bad ACH file was uploaded that they tried to do and that caused pain for employers or employees of companies. And now this is causing pain because for whatever reason, they had to make that decision to no longer let people transfer stuff in ACH. So I don't know if they're uh, in trouble, not in trouble, like how that's going to impact them because that was their business model. <laughs> they're called cache as in ACH is in their name. Well, and I wonder if that's a temporary thing. Do we know? Does it say that's forever? It, it or have they say, just decided to I, stop that until they can get ducks in a row? I, so I don't have the story in front of me, but I think it was a problem with their bank. Like this whole system is so complicated. There's so many layers, right? So you have the payroll service provider, then you have the ACH processor cache, then you have the bank that actually makes the ACH transfers, which is, we don't even know what that is. I can't remember the, the cache uses. And so if the bank says, oh, we're not going to take the risk anymore, that has this ripple effect, right? And so a great example is um, this company called Paydata, which services Vermont clients. Uh, so, you know, my payroll HR affected a lot of New York employers. This Paydata company uh, serves Vermont employers. And so Paydata had to spend a million dollars of its own money to cover the paychecks of a thousand employees because Cache told them that at the last minute they couldn't do ACH anymore. This is just an unbelievable domino. Yeah. Like it just keeps rippling um, because of one guy. One, one guy and his bullshit moves. But also because he was kiting checks for like a year and a half. And no, 10 nobody years. Ca- for 10 years. Well, he was doing the, the fake uh, businesses for like 10 years. Yeah. But the kiting of checks, I think, was shorter than that. Okay. Yeah. But still, that nobody caught it, that there's not some AI in you know, well, could- well, right. And so I think that that's the, the lesson that I hope everybody who's been listening to you all cover the story over the last, uh, I was it two months now almost, uh, is that we've got it. If we're going to move in the direction that we want to, we have to put pressure on all these other institutions to also 
the, the theme of QuickBooks Connect, own the future, right? Like to, to get to that point where we don't run into these things because people will always find the holes in those opportunities. And it's, it's kind of amazing to me that this hadn't happened sooner in a big way. Well, and as a business owner, you know, how do we know apps out there that are not doing the same thing or like what's the regulation around it, right? So we're advising our clients to use X app but we don't know what's going on in the background and with the security around it to, to uh, and, and then it's on us. It's on so, somehow the businesses and the advisors because we're giving that advice. Yeah, because every app that's here has all these dependencies. Everybody's using these microservice architectures that apps built on Amazon. Well, that's been since Amazon, but then maybe they're using um, some credit card purchasing from Stripe. So now they have that dependency in their app and they, it just it trickles down. Oh, they're using some some piece of code from some other company. Oh, and they're using a bank transfer service and they partner with this other regional bank. And those are all dominoes. And once one falls, like that app all of a sudden is useless for all your clients and you're the one who feels the effect of that. And this might be a dumb question, but are there is there insurance around that, right? Or what, like what would an insurance plan for a business or an accounting firm look like when it comes to those things? I don't personally know. So uh, after this story, I contacted my insurance and got data breach insurance. There you go. To protect my company because that could happen, right? It's the world we live in, right? Every accounting bookkeeping firm should be looking into that as an option, right? Because we're relying on this world of cloud apps, and there's a lot of them and hundreds of them that we might be using. And uh, we need to protect ourselves. So I think that's a wrap. I know, um, Valerie, you've got to get on a plane back to Chicago land. Yeah. And uh, David DiNardo, it was so great having you on the show. The one, one other thing, I just want to give a shout out to my marketing team. I wouldn't be on here um, if, I did, if we didn't do the social media gig. I recommend all marketing uh, accounting companies to do social media and get out there and really look at the marketing around it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Twitter. Twitter it up. LinkedIn, Facebook, all of well, it. Well, well, so speaking of those, well, how do they, how would they contact you, David, if they want to? So you can go on my website at www.involta.ca or on LinkedIn, David DiNardo. Um, David, you need to get on Twitter as well. We did not find <laughs> I, you on Twitter. But you, you always said pick one social media yeah, and, right, and, and do there. it. Uh, fair enough. Well, <laughs> if you want to get in contact with me, probably Twitter is the best way to do it. I'm at V Heckman. As always, I am at Blake T. Oliver. And how about you, Mr. Leary? I'm David Leary on Twitter. Thank you both. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.